0: I had a movie that paired with Adventures of Robin Hood. I was thinking about it while I was watching the movie, and now I don't remember what it was.
1: Yeah, it's Robin Hood Prince of Thieves.
0: Well, no, it wasn't Robin Hood Prince Walk of Thieves.
1: The it's like a you. different. Oh, you like know what? oh, you.
0: What's that? It's like a different adventure movie. Oh, 13th Warrior? No, it was like an Not older one. It was a really good pairing. Oh, I know what it is. I figured it
1: out. Okay, oh. good, good, good. Yes, we're gonna play a game during the recommended section. Oh um, well, Because you'll enjoy it. Trust me, you're gonna be very happy with my recommended this week. Like you're gonna be yeah, excited me. to talk about it. I've said that before.
0: You told me like it was something that I recommended a long time
1: ago. Oh, oh! Not only that, like I actually watched something even more recently that's gonna be even more so. Like you're gonna get to pick. Like this is like this is gonna be like you get to pick behind well, one of the doors, and then you get to see what you could have won
0: well, Ben, here's the thing i' I've only watched I've only seen outside of the movies that we're talking about one movie this week. and it's a pretty meh.
1: <laughs> so, so you're saying you i'm gonna are, have to, uh, I'm gonna have to do a lot of the work rate stuff at, during the uh, during the best of the week segment is what you're saying. Uh, well, okay suuch out of this that. podcast, step up, I guess.
0: No, I'm gonna be like the like the, the the guy who gets worked over and then you come in with a hot tag. So you're the young lion, pretty much, yeah. Black, black trunks, black boots. Can only do drop black kicks kick. and uh, Boston crabs. Yeah, I'm only allowed to do like maybe a suplex.
2: When the final reel is spun and the credits have been run. You can count on the wisdom of these two white guys talking film. Just two white guys talking film.
1: Welcome, everybody, to TWGTF, or as everybody knows it, from Sherwood Forest to the plains of texas this is two white guys talking film i am of course your host ben and i'm tyler how are you buddy
0: i'm doing good I'm tired busy week for me working same here. telling people that they can't come into my work without a mask
1: oh my god it's mandatory here to wear a mask i'm so happy
0: it's it, people still forget to do it. I've had multiple people, multiple people come in and be like, "Oh, can I get something?" I'm like, "You gotta put a mask on. You will be inside. Gotta have that mask if you want we to be went inside." Through, we Sorry. went through a
1: Moon Dollars drive-through. Actually, I don't want to support them without them giving us a little scrap. I mean, I guess they pay you, and then you're here, and this is your time. So in a way, kind of the yeah. bacon chicken patty biscuit sandwich with the gravy on it mm. is in fucking sane it's uh, I remember when we,
0: we launched that and I was like, uh, the, what is this? <laughs> that looks, cause there's did, like, I, gra- like, <laughs> it's like frozen gravy that like melts when you put it in the oven. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me.
1: I'm not kidding you. I just, I imagine you saying now, what is this? And like some guy just in a suit with a big cigar comes up, puts his hand on it and goes, it's the future, son. It's like, goddamn future. And he goes, who are you? And he's like, I'm Gene Moondollars. And you go, that's not a real guy. And he goes, I'm sorry. I just wanted to be a big shot. My name's, my name's Todd. I, I work I work as one of the upper management.
0: Todd Moondollars.
1: Before we take them, if we're not going to recommend him a couple Technicolor movies, maybe we can technically color him towards something else. I don't know. I, I didn't have a joke there. I, I thought I could do it, and I, I got into trouble.
0: <laughs> what happened that joke I, fell apart like i between know the brain to the mouth
1: <laughs> that joke is like the equivalent of that great comedic scene where the guy gets in the car and drives it off the lot and just all four wheels fall off it's like oh you just got out of the dealership sorry it's not our problem anymore you said in the pre-show you told me you had a staggering number of movies you watched <laughs> this week now how many movies did you watch this week
0: a solid one
1: not counting the two we watched tonight
0: not counting the two we watched tonight, so with, if you counted those, it'd be three. But I, I got oh, one in before one. The, the deadline.
1: <laughs> so this is not only going to be the best of the week, this is also the worst of the week. This is literally <laughs> yeah. the one when it comes to movies. Like, it is all it, and it is nothing.
0: It is the movie of the week for me.
1: I cannot wait to hear what this is.
0: So it's from 1952, it's directed by Fred Zimmerman. I don't know if you've if you recognize that name. He's the director of Oklahoma and High Noon. Uh, and High Day of the Noon. Jackal and a bunch of other movies. Yeah, Day of the Jackal, uh, High Noon, great movies. I've never um, seen Day of the Jackal, but I own it. D- Day of the Jackal is very long. <laughs> I know, that's the I only thing I that. know
1: about it. I'm like, I'm like, huh? No, you look at no, it. No. And you're like, okay, okay.
0: Political thriller, two hours and 40 minutes. What? <laughs> How? <laughs> I hear it's really good, but I just, I've never gotten around to watching it. He directed a little movie that I got from Twilight Time, R.I.P., called The Member of the Wedding which is about a tomboy it's based off this play it came out in 1952 it's about a, a tomboy played by Julie Harris who's like young and 12 and is trying to run away from the deep south she's very rambunctious and as Naomi put it very annoying and
1: so she watched this but she didn't watch the other two movies
0: <laughs> she i was watching it in the morning and then she came out while it was on I thought I had time, and I did not have time. It's kind of like a two-hander. Like, Julie Harris is, I think, the highest build in the movie. But Ethel Waters um, plays Beatrice. And she is maybe the, like, emotional center of the movie. And she, like, has all these regrets. And it's, it's a very stage-bound sort of film adaptation. It's based off a play. It The camera doesn't move much. It feels very play-like. But the acting is very good. It's it is a good movie. I you know, Frankie is annoying, but I can't hate her too much because when I was twelve, I wanted to be somewhere, someone else, somewhere else, and I didn't want to talk to any humans. And that's basically what I feel is like. Frankie is kind of annoying. She's rambunctious. Uh, she's a tomboy, but I totally kind of understand where she's coming from. She's, I grew up in a small town, and I didn't like it, and I hated the people I was around. So you know. If you have time, it's a short movie. It's only 90 minutes. If you like old black and white movies that feel like they are set on stage, then you can do worse than The Member of the Wedding from 1952. That's what I got.
1: Interesting. Give me a comparison. If you had to pair A Member of the Wedding with something, so I can kind of get a, a beat for what this kind of feels like.
0: Um, not thematically, but like in a filmic sense maybe something like fences is like something i think off the top Mm. of my head that kind of feels like rachel rachel
1: get rachel getting married potentially sort of i think rachel getting married does is a lot better at like
0: adapting space into that type of structure but like it kind of just feels like they have actually you know what it feels kind of like a mix between like filmically like Fences and To Killing Mockingbird with its like southern it has like a southern gothic feel of like a young woman becoming it's basically like someone growing up
1: kind of a lost of innocence thing
0: I was gonna say it's like a coming of age sort of movie I would say To Kill a Mockingbird and I just had one off the tip, top of my head and I fucking lost it and like a Tennessee Williams type play kind of like southern gothic William Faulkner-esque sad people lonely lives once again that movie's called the member of the wedding
1: you are now gonna play a game tyler and i don't know what the name of this game is for now working title three movies i'm 90 percent sure tyler is going to like however <laughs> you have to pick <laughs> one Bum, ba, through three Let's go with two. Two. Ooh. Two. An interesting choice. But let's show him what he's not going to be talking about today, Johnny. From 1948, The Naked City. Ooh. That's a good one. From 1986, Neil Jordan's Mona Lisa. <sighs> okay. Yeah. But potentially, you and a guest will be sitting down and watching the 1958 John Cassavetes' first film, Shadows 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 is an insanely well-made movie
0: it's very good It's very good for a first movie
1: i wrote an intimate and surprising film with a script as free as the jazz score that flows throughout it first time filmmaker cassavetes takes a hyper real look at race relations in the time of the beat poet movement in new york oddly beautiful and how raw it is it is so well done and also like you sit there and you're like oh Nothing's really gotten better in this country, has it? If <laughs> only... Oh, man,
0: in some ways, it's just kind of gotten oh.
1: worse. Oh, my God, oh. oh. Like, oh. when that dude sees that her brother is black, like...
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're just like, oh. Oh. Did you know that the premise of this movie Is that woman actually came... black? Is that woman actually... No, it's a white woman. Okay.
0: Uh, the, yeah. Do you know where the idea from this movie came from?
1: I assume it's, I like, know, it's... some art project or something.
0: So Cassavetes ran like a workshop for young actors in New York. And he was teaching them about improvisation. Mm
1: -hmm. And he had two
0: actors kind of like improv a scene. And essentially them like working that scene, he basically worked with them to develop that scene into like a full concept of a movie. Mm -hmm. And kind of develop outwardly. And so like, that's how he kind of came up with like the first draft of Shadows. And then he went to a couple of financiers sold I think he I think he might have done Johnny Sacco at this time Johnny Sicco that might have been later but I think he used some of the money that he had made from a couple of like TV show appearances or a couple of like movie appearances to kind of finance the initial shooting the cut essentially the movie is released with like very little distribution in America flops he takes it to Europe it becomes a sensation during the Venice Film Festival, and then kind of comes back and has like a small run, and goes to Hollywood, makes a couple Hollywood movies, and then goes and makes some more. So yeah, that that movie kickstarts Casavetti's directing career in a fascinating way. It's- I think this process took about five years.
1: Holy the movie shit. I think
0: is in. Yeah, I think the movie is pretty interesting because it came out I think in '58 or '59. And it feels very in line with like the French New Wave, which was also burgeoning at the same time. So it kind of feels it's it, it's weird to watch like Breathless and then watch like Shadows because they kind of feel like they are mirroring each other in certain aspects, but they both were like being made around the same time. I think it's I think it's kind of an interesting. I think it's little, it's kind of neat.
1: Wait, wait, wait! You're telling me this is the guy who got on Martin Scorsese's ass about working too slow, this motherfucker took five years to make Shadows. It took five years for it to be financed. Okay, now to be fair, to be fair, Shadows is not a piece of shit. Like, Shadows is incredible. incredible. Like, Shadows is like, I'd say four and a quarter to four and a half. Like, I really enjoyed this. And I think it's because it just feels very real. Like... There are moments in this movie that are some of the most real moments like I've ever seen put to film. I know it's acting, but it's like, God damn, like the scene after they fuck is so fucking uncomfortable, like and is one of the most well directed moments in a movie. Because it's like that's exactly how it feels like Mm -hmm. once you've had sex with someone, it's horrible. Like you're like, I gotta get the fuck out of here.
0: What I think also helps is that it's a movie filmed in like real places, which is something that Martin Scorsese would kind of pick up from and the french new wave would also pick up from it's it's shot in like real nightclubs in real apartments in real like homes and that makes it feel like kind of like more raw Hmm. i don't know i really like shadows i
1: think shadows is good it's good well shadows is in black and white and we are we are not in black and white this week we both talked about black and white movies we did i didn't know yours was black and white Oh it is. Yeah. Now we are in full blown Technicolor cuz you asked me to pick two Technicolor movies.
0: I should do this every week cuz Technicolor is so beautiful to look
1: at. No, oh, I bet on that 55 inch it is.
0: Oh, was so fucking good to look.
1: Oh my at. god, ours lo- it looked so good on our TV. I'm like I'm like this is the nicest TV I have ever seen anything on that I owned. I'm like this is incredible looking.
0: I love TV. <laughs>
1: I would like, I, and I, I said, it, I said, I would kill everyone else just to make you happy. TV, and he's like, I know you would that. Want to watch Mona Lisa again? And he's like, I do, I do want to watch Mona Lisa again. By the way, Mona Lisa fucking rules. Yeah, one yeah. day we'll maybe get around to talking uh, about. Well, Mona Well, t- I'll tell you this for Noir Vember, you have your two movies that I'm gonna pick for Noir Vember: <laughs> Mona Lisa and The Naked City. Remember this now, ladies and gentlemen. They'll be talked about later. I got a lot of thoughts on The Naked City.
0: There are a thousand stories in the Naked City, and this it's is one of them.
1: Jules Dassin, man. That dude is a talent. That dude's good. He's going to be something.
0: Something <laughs> coming. You should check out... Um, Who's uh, this blue chipper? You should check out uh, Brute Force, Burt Lancaster, and he has a, like, a Cincinnati set movie from like
1: 68. Burt Lancaster said about Brute Force, it should have been called Brute Farce, but I had a morphine addiction back then, and... I need to defeat it. This is the continuing story <laughs> of all the people named Burt who had problems and had to do movies. Is there anyone else besides Burt Reynolds and Burt Lancaster? I guess Burt Ward. Burt Ward. It's called Uptight. 1968's Uptight. Okay, interesting. I'll look into those. Well, but we are in glorious Technicolor. And what, can you explain Technicolor to me? I don't know if I actually understand what Technicolor is.
0: I think there are two types of Technicolor. There's Cinemascope, and I think there's another one. And essentially Technicolor is a type of film processing that takes color film and channels it through three different color strips. I think you have red, blue, and green? I could be wrong. And essentially it is what a lot of the early color films were Shot on because prior to Technicolor, you would have to physically like color them or recolor the like physical strips Mm -hmm. if you wanted color in them, which is an arduous process. But the Technicolor strips themselves is essentially, I think you just like overlaid three types of, I could be so wrong about this, but I think it's just like they washed them three different times in order to like pop three different colors. So yeah, like three different sets of dyes that like helped. Bring out certain colors. I think is how you do
1: it. Oh them. I I hope you are I hope exactly you are right exactly way. right because here's the thing that's gonna happen now. Either the spoiler is going to read spoiler, I was dead fucking on with Technicolor or spoiler <laughs> Wikipedia for Technicolor. <laughs> and don't you look it up? We'll find out.
0: I am going off of like a video I saw three years ago. I okay. think that's that, how you that, do that's Technicolor. Fine, but I do I know that it's based around three colors. I think they're blue, red, and green. It could be blue, red, and yellow. Because I think yellow and blue make green, and blue and red make purple. And that's how you kind of like... Actually, it's the three colors on the color wheel. Like the three main ones. So it'd be blue, red, and yellow.
1: Okay. Interesting. And boy, do you get some greens. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Get some green and reds in the
1: first one. Yes, you do. And the first one takes place in 1938. How interesting. The Wizard of Oz, the first Technicolor movie, comes out in 39, yet this comes out in 38. How curious. What a liar.
0: I actually think the first Technicolor movie came out in, like, 1935. This point still I stands
1: is Wizard of Oz is a liar. Yeah, no. Wizard of Oz isn't a liar. People talk about Wizard of Oz is a liar. And the first yeah. movie is The Legend of Sherwood is brought to the big screen in glorious Technicolor with Errol Flynn in the titular role. Flynn does make a dashing rogue This is, of course, the 1938 film, starring Errol Flynn, Olivia de Havilland, Claude Rains, and Basil Rathbone, The Adventures of Robin Hood.
3: Greetings, your highness. You know, you should really teach Gisborne hospitality. I no sooner enter his castle doors there with a piece of meat than his starving servants try to snatch it from him. You should feed them, Gisborne. They'll work better. the compliments of your royal brother, King Richard, God bless him. By my faith, but you're a bold rascal. Robin? I like you. I'm gratified, Your Highness. I don't think Gisborne shares that sentiment, however. Hmm, he does look sour. (laughs) What's the matter, Gisborne? Run out of hangings? I know a ripe subject for one. You'll excuse me, Your Highness. Sit down, sit down, my dear. He'll not harm you. Sir Robin? This is the lady, Marion Fitzwater. I hope my lady had a pleasant journey from London. What you hope can hardly be important. What a pity her manners don't match her looks, your highness. <laughs> you hear that, gentlemen? Here's poor Gisborne so in love with Marion, he dare say boo to her. And this saucy fellow gives her better than she sends. My lords and ladies, I would like to present to you Sir Robin of Locksley. Sir Robin? Permit me to present to you your host, Sir Guy of Gisborne, and our noble guests. I'm deeply honored, Your Highness. Have you had meat? But what I brought? Well, sit down, then. Sit down there, opposite me. Get up, Sir Ivor, and give him your place.
2: Your Highness.
3: Get up, get up, Sir Knight. Come, Sir Ivor, out here. Bring Sir Robin food. At once, do you hear? Such impudence must support a mighty appetite. True enough, Your Highness. We Saxons have little to fatten on by the time your tax-gatherers are through. Be seated, gentlemen. No need to stand on ceremony on my account. So you think you're overtaxed, eh? Overtaxed, overworked, and paid off with a knife, a club or a rope. Why, you speak treason. Fluently. I advise you to curb that wagging tongue of yours. It's a habit I've never formed, Your Grace. You know, we Saxons aren't going to put up with these oppressions much longer. Oh, so you're not. Then listen to this. As you may know, my brother is a prisoner of Leopold of Austria. And from Leopold, I have received a ransom demand of 150,000 gold marks. That means that you, my friends, must collect in taxes not two gold marks in the pound, but three. And the money is to be turned over to me. Why do you, Your Highness? King Richard appointed Longchamp's regent. I've kicked Longchamp out. From now on, I am regent of England. confound it. What are you all gobbling at? Is it so strange that I decide to rule my brother as a prisoner? Who's to say I shouldn't? You, Sir Mortimer of Leeds? Not I, Your Highness. You, Sir Borham? Nor I, Your Highness. You, Sir Ralph of Durham. My sword is yours, Your Highness. And what about our young Saxon cockerel here? What's the matter? Have you no stomach for honest meat? For honest meat, yes but I've no stomach for traitors. You call me traitor? You? Yes. And every man here who offers you allegiance. Your Highness. What else do you call a man who takes advantage of the King's misfortune to seize his power? And now, with the help of this sweet band of cutthroats, you'll try to grind a ransom for him out of every helpless Saxon. A ransom that'll be used not to release Richard, but to buy your way to the throne. Let me run those words down his throat, Your Highness. Oh, no. Later. Let him spout for the moment. And what do you propose to do? I'll organize revolt. Exact a death for a death. And I'll never rest until every Saxon in this shire can stand up free men and strike a blow for Richard in England. Have you finished? I'm only just beginning. From this night on, I use every means in my power
1: to fight you. Once again, and this is two for two, and Tyler, remember what we said about Liam Neeson? We told him, like, he was on the thinnest of ice. Yes. Olivia de Havilland has now been on the wrong side of history at the start of two movies, and it's been pretty <laughs> quick between the two of them. So, Olivia de Havilland, you are on the thinnest of ice. Uh, Write out the letter, Tyler, uh, please, tonight. I'll I'll, I'll send that. you a dictation. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll send it to her again. So you said last week, oh, doing a movie with Errol Flynn? Okay, we can tread those waters. What was that all about? Errol Flynn is not a good person, a notoriously bad person. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> get it out of the way now. Let's start with this.
0: So, essentially, Errol Flynn is not a great person. He's notoriously a drunk, a racist, all sorts. I Maybe mean, he, he, I mean, I mean, he might not have been a racist. But who knows? I'm pretty sure he's a racist. He was arrested and charged for statutory rape, uh, and I think he got off on a technicality, but it did hamper his career. There are, I think, other allegations swirling around Errol Flynn. He, just from everything I've read and people who knew him at the time talk about him, he seems kind of like a dickhead. Not gonna lie. He's kind of like notoriously like one of Hollywood's biggest bastards. He was a star at a time when Hollywood stars could kind of get away with almost anything. And he was the person that really did test those limits, so...
1: Errol Flynn, stamped bad guy, uh, for sure. There is just a temptation in me, just every time you say one of the things he got away with, just to have him doing that laugh from Robin Hood going, ha-ha! Like, just what a piece of shit. I did not know any of that, by the way. Yeah, big, big old,
0: big, 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 big bad, big guy. I mean, to be fair, at least the, like, trial and stuff, did pretty much ruin his career for the most part. He, I think he didn't work much after it. He did a little bit of like some European stuff. He had maybe one or two roles, but he was not like the leading man. He was before it. Well, I think good. he also may have dodged the
1: draft. By the That's way, we'll, the we'll be talking about a draft dodger in the next movie too. will Yes. Yes, we Notorious will. Notorious
0: draft dodgers.
1: Um, yes. He, who who would have known I would have paired potentially two movies with Notorious Draft Dodgers in them?
0: Yeah, Notorious Draft Dodgers. He, uh, Flynn died relatively young. He died in his 50s, and he also, I'm pretty sure, died pretty poor, if I remember correctly. So, you know. Oh, oh boy, there's some post- Posthuminous uh, controversies—that's a whole thing in his Wikipedia. So if you want to read even more stuff, like the fact that he might have been a fascist, a Nazi sympathizer before the Second World War,
1: you know, <laughs> God, who's he like in like today's parlance? Like, who's a guy who you're just like, how does this guy keep, like, how does he's like don't... if James
0: Woods was thirty and was saying and doing all the stuff that he is now, and still getting roles. Like it's sort of like that.
1: <laughs> all right, fair enough. Oh, that's an interesting idea. James Woods. Is like, the if first James Woods was today,
0: if James Woods was still getting roles like cop and like still like leading like being a like a video drone and stuff like that, while also being like, yeah, I think Donald Trump's good, and also we should send all the Mexicans back to Mexico. Like, and was still getting movies like Video and stuff like that.
1: <laughs> like,
0: right. that's kind of how it is. Is he a big Trump supporter? He is. Yeah. Wow. Weird. He's a very convincing dickhead. And then I realized, like, oh, he's not acting. He's, oh, yeah. That's he's, that's, that's, that's yeah.
1: <laughs> that's why that's why every time anyone's like, oh, Chevy Chase, great comedian. I'm like, no, Chevy Chase is being Chevy Chase. Like, y'all all get it. Like, he's doing <laughs> Chevy Chase in every movie. Fletch is just Chevy Chase. Like, yeah, it's just Chevy Chase in golf clothes. Like
0: James Woods in Night Moves where he's a real piece of shit. That's just James Woods, man. You don't know what I'm saying. He doesn't have to act.
1: Yeah, exactly. James Woods in that Simpsons episode. Just a dick. That's the greatest representation of it, too.
0: Do you think it's one of those things where James Woods just played a dick so many times that it's like he he like mother knighted himself? He became the thing that he pretended he was.
1: You're saying you're saying you're saying he was Ric Flair. He's living the gimmick of being a dick. Yeah, he just like he just like went too far. I like whatever yours was. Yours sounded so fancy, but I had to break it down for the common man, too. That's what we do. Here
0: Here we go. Mother Knight is a, a Kurt Vonnegut book. Um, in which the I think the it's actually one of his most famous quotes, which is, "You become the thing you pretend to be," or something. It's like basically along this line. It's about a guy who is a American in Germany pretending to be a Nazi radio operative who is sending English transmission to American troops, but he's also sending intel to the United States. Like he's a, he's an American spy in Germany. But what happens is when the war ends. All of, the America's, all of the, like, files that he was sending to America, they get, like, buried. America essentially cuts ties with him and lets him become tried as a Nazi collaborator. So well, he has dear. to go on the run. Anyway, Mother Night. It's a very good Kurt Vonnegut book. Very underrated. they ever make a movie of this? They did in the 90s starring one of our faves, world's sexiest man. I'm blanking on his name.
1: Nick Nolte. Um,
0: nick nolte
1: <laughs> they made a movie about this with nick nolte sold sold american yeah, it's pretty good i think what we can basically say is fuck errol flynn
0: yeah fuck errol flynn
1: yeah bad guy a lot of bad things
0: a bunch of stuff nazi sympathizer might have been a nazi spy we don't really know
1: yep we don't but you know what we're not gonna say fuck you to robin hood because who doesn't love robin hood
0: robin hood good guy
1: yeah, he so rules. Yeah, right? He rules. I said, hey, this movie is exactly what fucking Men in just ripped off. So Robin Hood, he's banging Will Scarlet, right? Like, first part of this movie. Yeah, probably. Okay, cool. That's cool. I'm down with that. Those two look like they're having fun. How is it they found a more, like, a more feminine-looking guy than Errol Flynn?
0: Errol Flynn... So he is like rightfully kind of like the successor to Douglas Fairbanks, who are both like pretty effeminate looking adventure stars with like the like old school barrel chests. Yeah, I don't know how they were like. Well, we need a guy who looks like Errol Flynn, but also like more feminine. I don't know who was up who who was coming up with the decisions, but it's a good one. I like it. Keep doing it.
1: We don't have to go through the legend of Robin. Everyone knows Robin Hood. Let's just let's let's just yeah Gives gives to the poor. You know, it takes a little on the side. Investing in offshore accounts. <laughs> that's the Robin Hood I want. I want a tech Robin Hood from the future.
0: <laughs> Robin Hood now would just be like a guy who like starts Twitter and is like, that's my job. That's it. That's what I have done.
1: Tech Hood. Uh, Timothy Chalamet as, as Tech Hood. And it's like, man, what, he is in everything.
0: I would see him like 10 years from now. I would see as Robin Hood. It'd yeah. Weird looking
1: Robin Hood. He's a weird looking dude. He has a haircut that looks like someone who has like, like fake hands gave him a haircut at all times. Not to diminish any veteran who's like cuts hair or anything and lost like arms. Well, I'm saying like someone who just like someone who doesn't who's using their arms for the first time would be my would be my sentence. Like, <laughs> like if someone had full-grown human arms, but they had baby sense of their hands. They're like, ooh, like and they had scissors. That's what every haircut Timothy Chalamet has looks like.
0: A man who has arms, but is constantly having phantom limbs throughout that set. Of <laughs> <arms>. <laughs> he had a dream he of
1: looks like before he lost his arm, so he's just phantom limbing everything.
0: He looks like he spent a hundred dollars on a haircut he could go himself. Like that's what that's what Timothy Chalamet's hair looks like. It's
1: really true, but yeah, I could see him as Robin Hood. But well, I mean, should we talk about everyone? There are like four people in this I want to spend some time on. We already talked about okay. Errol Flynn. He's the successor. Fuck him. We're not talking about him. <laughs> Olivia De Havilland is still on the. Still on the wrong side of history. First, slavery, now, like, oppressing the poor. Jesus Christ, Olivia de Havilland. Jesus.
0: <laughs> a great actress, though. Do, oh, do she's very good.
1: There's a whole section of this movie where I didn't know if she had hair or not. And then when she has hair, it scared me. I was like, Jesus, who is that? I'm like, oh, it's Olivia de Havilland. Okay, thank God.
0: The funny thing I think about Olivia de Havilland, still alive, which I know as soon as I say that, as soon as this this episode comes out, she will die sometime between what so, she will die sometime between my mic turning off and this <laughs> this fucking going out. To make it even more awkward, but like I think the funny thing is like she hasn't acted in like 40 years. Yeah, like I think the last thing she was in was like in the late 80s. Impressive uh, to just be holding on for so long.
1: Yeah. No, she has been. She has.
0: Actually, no, she was in something in 2009. I'm wrong.
1: So, I said earlier, Robin Hood Men in Tights ripped this off. Yeah. The scene where he walks in with the boar and Robin Hood Men in Tights, I thought that was just a wacky bit he did. Like, they just thought, wouldn't it be funny if he walked in with a pig? I didn't know there's an actual scene where he beats up two guys while holding an elk. (laughs)
0: This movie is stupid. It's
1: so fucking dumb, right? You kind of gotta love it. It's also, just, it's, 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 you know, and it's, it's just I, real. I yeah. think it's the curse of Robin Hood. Here's the problem with Robin Hood: every Robin Hood movie, I will bet you dollars to donuts, every Robin Hood movie, the people playing the villains are far better than the people playing the heroes because they're poor. Yeah, like, think think yeah. about it. Alan Rickman is fucking amazing in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves in comparison to Kevin Costner. Like, you don't like, you know what this is? This is the Charlie Hunnam syndrome from Pacific Rim. You don't need anything from Robin Hood. He's one thing good. That's all he is.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But like Basil Rathbone in this movie is so crazy and he's so good.
2: Mm -hmm. And it was Sherlock
1: Holmes for like forever.
0: I don't know why, but Basil Rathbone, I thought he was, I was like, not basil rothbone the guy who plays uh the prince
1: is it the prince oh you're talking about claude rains
0: <laughs> yes the Invisible like, man himself fucking, i was like is that the fucking goddamn lion from fucking wizard of oz because it just looks like him and i was like no by the end of it i was like no no no, no. no. but yeah no he's also really good
1: yeah, no, everyone in this is really good. But also, like, it's the secondary. Once again, Robin Hood is boring, even on the good side. Like, Friar Tuck is fantastic in that four-minute scene where, like, Robin Hood tries to, like, make him, like, try to ride him across the river. Also, Friar Tuck kicks ass in this version. Yeah, he's, he shouldn't bose he shouldn't by the end. Yeah, exactly. Think about the cartoon Robin Hood. The Lion King, who's evil, is so much better than Robin Hood. It's also because I think Robin Hood doesn't deserve to be with his fox lady. I think, like, she deserves to be with, like, someone who would care about her. Like me, if I well, were true. a fox. I'm just saying that. To be- like,
0: <laughs> well, okay. Too far, well, let's too not far. get into nice guy fox territory.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, nice guy fox. What does that
0: mean? <laughs> nice, nice fox guy. I don't know.
1: Uh nice guy fox We
0: can all agree on one thing. is that, that Disney fox, <laughs> that Disney fox Robin Hood. It's kind of fucking hot, you know?
1: Let's it, it, go from six to midnight. I'll put it that way. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not Zero Robin Hood Friday, made Marion. Hold on, let's get that straight from both of our side, to, so to speak. Made Marion Fox is hot, not Robin. Hood No, 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 both of them.
0: But Bo- oh, the both? Robin Hood oh, Fox oh, oh, oh. is also hot. They're both oh, hot.
1: You, oh, you want like, both? That's, okay. I'm just saying. Okay, okay. you're gonna double that. If you, you want to know which, where I furry started, yeah, I get it. I'm just oh, saying, yeah. if
0: you want to know where, yeah, if you want to where furry started, it's the it's the fucking Disney Robin Hood
1: movie. Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you, you know who tried to, like, bring it into the modern age? Zootopia.
0: Oh, yeah, no. Zootopia, That's going to be a whole new thing in, like, 20 years. I gonna get it's super kind of furry. It's
1: thing. Like, it's fucked up. Like, I'll, we're not getting into this here. So, <laughs> so, Claude Rains, this has been the most disjointed episode we've ever done. So, Claude Rains is Prince John, and Prince John's brother has gone off to the Crusades. King Richards has gone off to the Crusades and John has taken over the throne and he also has, by the way, no Sheriff of Nottingham, like the Sheriff of Nottingham is there, but he's not the main antagonist to Robin Hood.
0: No, they kind of just, the Sheriff of Nottingham hyperlink on Wikipedia is the fucking Disney Sheriff of Nottingham. Anyway, that's funny
1: yeah i mean let's be honest when he kicks open the door in the original robin or in the cartoon robin and goes happy birthday to you and then proceeds to rob those poor children and their mom it's funny like it's not supposed to be but it's funny because you know robin is gonna get him back
0: there's still part of me that wants to see that nottingham movie
1: what's nottingham
0: there was a script going around that was a Robin Hood movie, but from the perspective of Sheriff Nottingham. It was called Nottingham. Oh, interesting. And then Ridley like Scott it. bought it.
1: Oh, yeah?
0: Yeah, and then it became his Robin Hood movie.
1: <laughs> oh, is that what that is?
0: Yeah, so they he bought it, and then he cast Russell Crowe in it.
1: That's the only Robin Hood and... I don't think I've seen
0: and Russell Crowe was more interested in playing Robin Hood, and so now it's a Robin Hood movie
1: instead of a Nottingham movie. Oh, so that's what oh, so fucking like Russell Crowe was supposed to be the sheriff. Yeah, that's so much better.
0: It was supposed to be like a reboot where it's like the sheriff like hunting down Robin Hood.
1: Yeah, I don't hate that. That's actually a cool idea. Look at it from the perspective of like that dude's fucking breaking the law. Like fuck you guys. I don't agree with everything King even if you make him sympathetic, be like, I don't agree with everything King John's doing. I think it's kinda of fucked up, but like I got a job to do. Like I got mine and mine to take care of. Like make him fucking sympathetic kinda. Of. Make him be like, look, nine to five, like I'm gonna try to catch that motherfucker. But like I don't agree with everything King John says. It's fucked up he taxes you people. But hey, someone's gotta do it, and that's my job. That's a way better version. <laughs> God, his version looks so boring. I still never watch it. I I am a cop, I don't think. I just obey. Yeah. Yeah. Great commentary on it actually. Yeah, are well, you scared, Scott. I bet your brother wasn't. That Tony wouldn't have been scared <laughs> to do it. Oh, well, Tony would have added like twenty thousand explosions <laughs> from several different angles, and hold homoeroticism. On. Don't forget that. Yeah, he would have been like, he goes, I'm d-, he's like, hold on, I'm gonna do my Russell Crowe. I'm, I'm drawn, I'm drawn to this, I'm drawn to this outlaw. I'm drawn to him so hard. He's just thrusting in the air, like they're just, they're just like. And Tony Scott's like, brilliant. It's great. I'm going to throw a phone in his mouth. I'm going to make him chew on it. All the people who played Robin Hood outside of maybe, like, the Fox are bad people. Who's the guy who
0: played the most recent Robin Hood? The one that came out, was there one that came out last year?
1: Oh, the guy who played the Rocket Man, I think. Yeah, he's alright, I think.
0: Okay, but he's he, fine. Bad things haven't happened to him yet, so.
1: I'm a child arsonist, I is. And you're like, oh my god. <laughs>
0: Oh, he's an arsonist. That are you an arsonist that burns childs or yeah? Like he he
1: burns children for insurance money. Like, oh Jesus! Yeah, I know. It's a really terrible thought. I do. I've never thought of it being just a child who's an arsonist. Like I've never thought <laughs> of that. But no, he's like a, it's, like I just one day someone was like, "What's the most horrible job you can think of?" I was like, "Child arsonist." And they're like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "You burn children for money. Like you you cause insurance claims based on children burning." And they're like, "That's horrible." And I go, "Yeah." You asked a question.
0: There's an MST3K joke that's from the movie Teenage Strangler, where it's like, "Is he?" a person is he a sh- person who strangles teenager or is he a teenager who strangles people
1: <laughs> yeah it's kind of the same thing isn't it are yeah. you a child who's an arsonist or are you an arsonist who burns children starring Jake Gyllenhaal child arsonist <laughs> we just remake the movie little man but it's just Jake Gyllenhaal as a child arsonist like i go we went we thought we were going to go a different way where every building he burned had a child in it and that was his sick kink The studio did not go that way. We sold the script to we sold the script to Lily Scott for millions. Like it's obscene how much money we have now, and he made it into a movie where a small little person is burning buildings down as a child arsonist because he can't be caught. It's genius. Have you seen like you
0: know that Gary Oldman movie Tiptoes? It's like that.
1: Oh, have I seen Tiptoes? Someone told me to watch Tiptoes, and I watched it, and I've never forgiven them. (laughs) It's Greg. It's it's Greg. It's Greg from work. (laughs) <laughs> Greg from work was like oh man there's this Matthew McConaughey movie and he gave me the description I'm like well I'm watching that he was like yeah tell me how it is and I watched it. And I came back I go yeah that sucked he goes yeah that's what yeah I heard it sucked too and I'm like why'd you tell me to watch it he goes I don't know I it's fucked up I'm like well you're watching he's like no I don't need to watch it and I'm like god damn you <laughs> <laughs> son of a bitch he still has never watched it I fucking bought I- a copy off ebay for like 19 dollars
0: That's your fault. He laid a trap. You fell into it. Yeah,
1: you're you're fair. You know what? Respect. (laughs) Respect, you got me there. I'll give you that. So
0: That's a real me, like, telling everybody to go see the room for my birthday. You're like, look, you all knew what this was. I didn't tell you anything about this movie, but you definitely knew it was a trap.
2: Yeah.
1: And That one-legged boy in The Five Bloods, he just did that to me. (laughs) Oh, Yeah. yeah. Well... I guess what we can say is, yeah, like, Robin Hood is helping the rich. I mean, who else is there to talk about in this movie? Like, I mean, like, what do we talk about? Like, if you've seen uh, Robin Hood, you've kind of seen this movie. If you've, like, read, if you've seen any Robin Hood movie,
0: you've basically seen this movie. Prince John, dickhead, taxing people too much. Robin Hood, don't like that, wants the money to get out of the people. And then he almost gets caught, almost gets hanged. There's that really sick fucking archery tournament. But,
1: yeah. That's good. I do like it's, the archery it's tournament. It's good. I will say, like scene. the final, the final fight between him and Prince Humperdinck or whatever the fuck fucking Basil Rathbone's name is. It's a name. It's Sir John Gilspin or something. It's like fuck you. Make him the sheriff for Christ's sakes. He's good enough. Why is that fat man the sheriff? I'm now mad about that Robin Hood movie. We're leaving all of this in, by the way. Like this is the talk about Robin Hood. This is how bad. No, we I don't was want gonna him. say it's just five minutes of just us not talking about Robin Hood. Five? We might have done thirteen minutes on not talking about Robin Hood. So. <laughs> Robin Hood has to like get all this shit he I mean he catches the eye of Maid Marian even though he's a rogue like I love how Olivia de Havilland is kind of disgusted by him and I'm like I'll bet that's natural acting I think we're seeing another version of not we're seeing the James Wood approach where you've been you're just disgusted by him in general
0: I think Olivia de Havilland and Er Errol Flynn like
1: might have had a thing for a little bit oh she had to fuck that guy he's so weird looking he's the weirdest shaped human I've ever seen
0: I mean, that's what you get for being born in fucking Tanzania or wherever. Weird.
1: So, yeah, like, he has to, like, bring down King John. I'll say this. They never have done a version where, like, Richard shows up, like, halfway through. You're right. Like, Connery bombs in at the end of Prince of Thieves. That's fucking dope, by the way, when Connery shows up. Hold. I speak. And you're just like, yeah! I will not allow this wedding to proceed unless I'm allowed to give the bride away. You look radiant, Cushion. And you're just like you're just like ah, right. like that's pretty cool. Also, Patrick Stewart, like, but like no one's ever bombed in like midway through to be like, yeah, Richard's gonna help take back the throne.
0: Which I think is more true to the legend oh, of Robin enough. Hood. I think this movie is a much more traditional telling of it. If I could, I could be wrong could be wrong i was not a person who read robin hood in high school i read the arthurian legends instead they are significantly better in my opinion but this movie's kind of structured pretty weirdly (laughs) it feels very much in line like just like an old movie where you're just like wow okay they didn't have like the structure of movies down so tight so you kind of get like these like weird it kind of feels a little slow at times and you're just like why is it slow it's like oh because it's kind of structured in this like odd (sighs) manner
1: it takes for fucking ever oh it's so slow for anything and you know what's weird here's the weird thing the next movie we're going to talk about is weirdly slow too but not in the same way like no it's so hard to explain there's a weird thing about the next movie that I want to talk about I'm glad you brought this up but yeah this is you're just and the thing is too it's because you know this story you've seen this story several other different ways and it's and probably presented better but this is just kind of like the one that was for that time like if you weren't in that time it's not for you What is, like, the most... Give me the most Technicolor thing. Show me the thing in this, like... Talk to me about the thing in this that's, like... You look at it and you go, that's fucking Technicolor. Like, something that really looks good in Technicolor. I'm curious about that.
0: Okay, we're going back to the the archery scene. I think it's just, like... You get so many radiant pops in... Whenever they're, like, in the forest. Or where there's, like, a lot of, like, green hues. I think that's why, like, everyone who is associated with King or, or associated with Robin Hood, like, wears, like, green. So because green, like, really, really pops. So, like, when they're in the forest, when they're in the, like, by the river, you just get this really beautiful, deep colors. And So when he swings when onto this-
1: that tree, you're saying, like, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty relevant scene?
0: Yeah. You don't, know, okay. Technicolor only lasted, it was invented in 19, in the 1900s, in the early 1900s. Invented in the 1910s. I think the first Technicolor strip is from, like, 1912? There's a couple silent movies that use Technicolor. But it really only lasts until about the mid-60s, because it becomes too expensive. You have a few Technicolor movies, but, like, Technicolor was always for, like, the big-budget movies of its time. So once, like, they kind of went to a more realistic direction in, like, the mid-60s to late... to, like, the early 70s, Technicolor dies out, and you kind of get more realistic-looking color in films. But for whatever reason, when you go back and watch, like, an old Technicolor film, just the colors are so bright and vibrant... Yeah, yeah. ...that you just... you They just... They don't look like
1: anything else. It's and... really true. It's It's amazing, like, how, like... It's just how striking it is. It is. I mean, like yeah. it's understandable why it was popular for a time.
0: I mean, even now, if you put a Technicolor, even like a, on a VHS, you, you go and you're like, that's a fucking Technicolor movie. Like you can yeah. just tell regardless of what, what the movie is. You just, you just know what it, Here. by just the looks of it.
1: Here's the other thing. Robin hood in that archery tournament, by the way, you want to talk about a real Jennifer Jason Lee locker room moment or locker scene moment. <laughs> no disguise at all. Like he's wearing Wear a mask, he's wearing different clothing. Like that's it. He did not shave. He did not like dye his hair black. Nothing. And you're just like everyone knows it's you. Like what is your and what is your exit strategy here, friend? See, I would have worn a mask
0: or like like a like a bandana to cover my mouth. I literally on a podcast just covered my mouth because I am a genius. <laughs> like a bandana or something to like cover your face or like grow a beard or like shave your mustache. Literally
1: anything. Your eyebrows, Do something, do something for people like, I don't think that's Robin. Hood. Cause back then, if you did something like that, you know, no, like people were dumb back then. They'd be like, no, Robin Hood has eyebrows. That dude doesn't have eyebrows. Look, like, yeah, that's how you do it.
0: People constantly make fun of, Clark Kent for his disguise being a guy who, who like wears glasses and parts his hair in a different direction, and people like don't catch that at Superman. But like, have you seen Zoe Deschanel without bangs? No, it, is this she doesn't look
1: like the same person. Is this something that's been bothering you recently?
0: No, I'm just saying. I think people think that they'd be able to tell who's who very simply, but like, I'm telling you, some people can drastically yeah, change.
1: Exactly, that's my point. Like, it's just like God, do something, dude. But it's just fucking Errol Flynn. Well, you know what? I think we've I think we've talked about this movie enough. I really I really think we do. It's gonna be a lot less after I edit, but I think I think we can honestly say like it's fun, but like there's nothing really to it. Like it's the Robin Hood story. Like what do you want? Like everyone in it's really good, actually. Like I won't say there's a bad performance in this. And the guy who plays Little John. I love that Little John beats him in the stick thing. It's good, yeah. Like Friar Tuck scene is great. I love that Friar Tuck has a weird Viking helmet on the whole movie
0: i love that too i think it's a pretty good depiction of robin hood i think it's definitely of its era in many ways i do want to talk about the fact that this movie has two directors is that true do you know who michael curtis is no it's the director of casablanca
1: this guy also did casablanca
0: yeah those are um, two and it's directed... very
1: differently paced movies
0: very differently paced movies. He did a bunch of other stuff. Mildred Pierce is another movie he directed. Oh, shit. Um, I've heard of that. These are just off the top of my head. He also did a bunch of like Warner Brothers James Cagney crime movies. Okay, so uh, Angels with Dirty Faces.
1: Oh, this dude! Um, this dude's prolific.
0: Yeah, did a lot of stuff. Who's the um, other guy? The other guy is another guy who did a lot of. He did. He mostly did like B movie crime pictures. His name is William Cagley. He worked with Cagney a lot up until that point. His biggest, his most known film is Babbitt. The adaptation of Babbitt. Uh, G-Men is also a big one. Stars for Broadway. You know, he would go on to to do a bunch of just kind of work for hire stuff. I don't recognize many of these. I think Each, each Dawn I Die is a movie I've heard of. But... Yeah, he, you know, he was a workaday type guy.
1: Oh, he did White Christmas. Oh yeah, this this dude was Okay, well, I'm looking at the other guy. I'm looking at the other yeah, guy. Yeah, that's courteous. What do you think this was or did one of them get fired well, or what happened?
0: I know. So what happened is Cagley worked with had worked with Flynn before. Flynn loved him. Thought he was a great director. Really liked or didn't think he was a great director. Liked working with him. But after I think the first couple of weeks of daily started coming in, they began to realize that well, Kigley was good at directing, like, some of the... He had directed about, I think, like, a couple weeks' worth of stuff. Maybe a week worth of stuff. And The Daily started coming back, and the Warner Brothers kind of realized, like, he's not good at directing action. Like, he just can't direct this act, the action that, that they need for this. And so, Curtiz, who had worked on, I think, two movies that kind of made Flynn into a star. I want to look at the names of those real quickly, if you'll let me. Sure. Slide it together pretty nicely, if I can do this well. He's got a long Wikipedia. Holy shit. He directed Captain Blood, and uh, there was another movie before that. So yeah, Captain Blood's kind of like what broke Errol Flynn as like a big star. He was under contract with Warner Brothers, and so they were just like, can you just take over and film some of the like action sequences and some of the later stuff? And so essentially they fired Kegley, and this is before alan smithy so they just credited both of them as directors so oh, yeah so this is
1: pre alan smithy how interesting
0: way before this is yes, 30 I, years
1: before alan i set i set that up in advance i did do that no <laughs> oh, i didn't well what would you pair this with
0: i would pair this with a little movie from 1960 directed by stanley kubrick i'd pair this with spartacus oh, i don't know why i pair this with spartacus. Just they sort of remind me of one another.
1: <laughs> you really, you really want to piss someone off that has to like stay like an extra like two and a half hours for the double feature. <laughs> I can see that, I guess. I mean, it's it's always gonna be paired with Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. That way they can leave happy, yeah. and they're like, I fucking love Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I
2: walk the line
1: for you. We'll get the VHS version where that music video plays. What would you give this?
0: I get, I think I give this about four th- yeah four stars. Really. I think it's good. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Wow. Maybe
0: three stars. I don't know. Somewhere in there. <laughs> Somewhere in the three to four range. <laughs> you figure it out. I'm just going to give you the fucking ball.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? I'm giving it three stars. So, like, that's it. It's perfectly acceptable. But it's nothing you haven't seen before and potentially done better. But it's of its time. It was one of the most big movies of the time. The sword fights are cool. But the problem is there's not enough action. It's way too much. Let's build to the action. It's like, no, get there. You know what Prince of Thieves does better? A 15-minute action sequence. I don't know. It's good. I like it. I think it's fun. If we're talking about the four faces on Mount Rushmore's Robin Hood, it goes Fox, because you think he's hot, and (laughs) no, I want you to be happy. He is hot. It's a proven fact. Look, look, I'm sure he is. It's just not my thing. I I want Marion. Like, Like, I want the burger, not the hot dog. I get it. Like, it's fine. Fox, Robin Hood. Kevin Costner, Robin Hood. I guess we'll put Errol Flynn on there, but you know what? It's like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we'll I, we'll I don't put know. Olivia
0: de Havilland on there.
1: Yeah, like as in lieu, in lieu of. We can actually have Olivia de Havilland cut the ribbon too. And when she when it falls, she'll see it. She'll be like, oh my God, I'm on the Mount Rushmore. It's like, you're damn right you are Olivia de Havilland because you're the reason that Robin Hood movie is great, not that horrible drunken prick. And she's like, he was a monster. And I said, yeah, I know Olivia de Havilland. Now, give me your wallet. And then I rob Olivia to have. Sorry, that's that's not that's not what's gonna happen. And who would be the fourth one? Who would be the fourth uh, one? is it Crow? Uh, can it be can it be Russell Crowe, but we make it look like the Russell Crowe from South Park?
0: <laughs> well we no, what we should do is we should put Russell Crowe from Noah and just not just see if anybody knows. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I remember Russell Kerr having a beard in Robin Hood. He didn't. We told Darren Aronofsky if he footed the bill for this one that he could put his noah up there. It's the only way it's ever going to get on a Mount Rushmore. He loves that movie. That poor, poor, deranged boy. And I'm like, wait, do you tell me we didn't pay for this? And it's like, yeah. It's like, what that check that I wrote you for? You're like, nothing. Don't worry about it. So yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, and it's fine. Like, uh, I'll tell you what it isn't, Tyler. It's not our next movie. No, it's not. No. Because our next movie is a little movie from 1958 by Mr. John Ford. It's absolutely John Ford's epic Western about two men searching for a girl taken by a tribe of Native Americans. Deeply problematic by today's political views, to be sure. However, it's undeniably Ford's best made film, as well as John Wayne's greatest performance, whether he knows it or not, as playing the absolute worst human being you can. This is, of course, the 1958 film by John Ford, The
2: Searchers. I found them! I found
3: Lucy! They're camped about a half mile over. I was just swinging back, and I seen their smoke. I bellied up a ridge, and there they was, right below me. Did you see Debbie? No. No, but I saw Lucy all right. She was wearing that blue dress, and she was...
2: What you saw wasn't Lucy.
3: Oh, but it, it was,
2: I tell you. What you saw was a buck wearing Lucy's dress. I found Lucy back in the canyon. Wrapped her in my coat. Buried her with my own hands. Thought it best to keep it from you. Oh. did they...
3: What was she... What do you want me to do, draw you a picture? Spell it out! Don't ever ask me. As long as you live, don't ever ask
2: me more. Brad, come
1: back here! What do you want to go for first? You want to talk about that the dude who plays Scar is clearly not a Native American... Or do you want to talk about Moses? Oh, Moses, buddy. I've been baptized. Thank you kindly, sir. (laughs) It's a rocking chair for old (laughs) Moe's. By the way, you and I have a duty as journalists, podcasters, whatever you want to call us, to get that scene where Moe's is finally put in the rocking chair and he says the words... They, I played like I was crazy. And everyone looks at him and, and like, he like, has the realization and he goes, oh, they all think I'm insane. Like, no, this is an act. <laughs> like, like, and he goes, you don't think I'm crazy. We got to get that image of when he says it, just when the wordsman says, when everyone else in the room realizes you fucked up, but you haven't.
0: <laughs> oh boy, this movie is messy it's you a messy what? movie
1: you know what if we can start a wrestling chant it's this problematic
0: clap 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 clap, clap.
2: yeah exactly. just,
0: you can just do that for three hours now at any wwe show any one of them
2: you you think that's what covid's you, chanting
0: when it's you think that's what covid's chanting when it's in the lungs of one of the, one of the wrestlers <laughs>
1: No, it's just, it's just going like, it's
0: just like, it's like, yeah,
1: get that mouth near your ear. I can sleep in, I can sneak in there. Oh, so, so the searchers (laughs) is an absolutely gorgeous fucking looking movie. First of all, we can, we can say this. There are, there are three very problematic things about this movie. We've already spoken about one of them, which is Moses. I think that was the good start way to go in because at the end of the day, Moses actually kind of gets everything you want. So I'm okay with it. We haven't talked about yeah. the other two, but this movie is John Ford's fucking epic. Like, I love... Like, I forgot how long this movie takes place over. Like, the span of time in the movie.
2: hmm
1: The Searchers is a very simple plot.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty... Yeah. Yeah. You, when you break it down.
1: Yeah, it is. It's literally about the idea that a man comes home from the Civil War, played by John Wayne. He has a great name, too. What is it? It's Ethan... Ethan Edwards. Ethan Edwards. That's a dope name. He comes home. Name. Ethan Edwards comes home, and he is there, and he has a brother, a sister-in-law. They have three kids, two, two girls, an oldest girl, a youngest girl, and in the middle, a boy. And... He comes home, and that's kind of where the movie begins. And I'll say this I said earlier that this is slow. The first 25 minutes of this movie are so unbelievably slow.
0: It's, but it's, it's, it really, really, it is a very leisurely place to begin with, but it,
1: oh man, it's
0: so good because it's just like, we're just going to walk you
1: through all of it.
0: It's really going to set the table for you.
1: It is quite literally like what life was like back then. Like, he actually captures it rather well. But
0: it is very slow, but it also really uses the economy of like character uh, development is um, incredible on in this movie because like Ethan Edwards shows up and it's immediately the movie is like he's was a confederate and he has money from a place where we don't know where it came from. And so it's immediately like that Ethan guy, he might be bad.
1: <laughs> I think he's a hired gun for like Indians.
0: I don't know about that. I just think he's a person who has a lot of, like, racist ideas. Because if yeah. you understand Texas at the point of the Civil War, what it means is if he's from Texas, he left to go fight for the Confederacy.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's um, not wrong. Like, you're absolutely so, like, right.
0: As soon as the movie, like, introduces him, it is like, that Ethan guy is fucking racist like this guy's turbo racist and the movie takes pains to be like that's wrong that's bad here's why his racism has led to like the genocide of native american people while also being a movie that kind of shows the genocide of native american people it's like really true Ford
1: doing this on purpose
0: yeah i think ford is like kind of trying to reckon with the racism inherent to the western genre
1: so this, this, is, film? this is doing Death of a Gunfighter again. This is examining something about a Western more so than it is actually a Western itself.
0: Yeah, well, it is a Western itself because it's a John Ford movie. It's shot in Monument Valley. It's the most Western-y Western you can possibly get because it stars John Wayne. But I think he is inherently trying to investigate American racism and like the treatment of Native American people, both Native American people who are considered to be bad and that fought the Americans, like, fought people settling their land essentially fought the U S government and people who were like native Americans who were just kind of caught in the crossfire of those two groups. And I think it's interesting. I'm not going to say that it 100% pulls off everything it's trying to do. It is definitely dated for the period it came out in, but I do think it's interesting that as a movie trying to paint someone like John Wayne as like clearly a person with villainous intent when it comes to Native Americans. Like,
1: well, I mean, and it's, it's not even just that he knows shit about them. He's all, you know what he is? This, and this is like, this is a fuck up comparison. And This other character, I'm going to tell you, this is not in any way like, like the character of John Wayne, but it's the same level of hate. He hates them the way Quint hates sharks. (laughs) <laughs> he does like he does like every like and he does it and he hates them on the level where like you know why quinn, quinn hates sharks so much he hunts sharks for a living fucking john well, wayne john and i'm not saying john wayne did the same thing in this movie and ethan edwards did the same thing in this movie but at the same time it's like ethan knows shit about them there's a moment where they're like they find a dead native american and says, like, hey, do this, and shoots him in the eyes, and he goes, his spirit will have to wander the world for the rest of time. They don't have eyes, they don't get into the next world. Like, John Wayne knows that and uses that. Even if it's not true, that's how much he hates them.
0: Uh, uh, Yeah, and I mean, I will take your, your metaphor. I think Quinn's fear, or Quinn's hatred of sharks is woven deeply in this fear. And I think... The same thing with Ethan. I think his racism towards Native Americans is also deeply woven into his fear of being replaced, his fear of sexual inadequacy, his fears of Native Americans. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Go this on. is true. This is true. His his fear of like Native Americans like essentially being like defeating the white man, essentially. And that's okay. like where his fear and hatred come from. And, like, if you look at, like, his gun holster, it's, like, clearly shaped like a penis. He has, like, there's a lot of, like, sexual repression in Ethan's character, whether or not John Wayne realized it when the movie was being made. And whether or not John Ford realized it when the movie was being made. I think there's a lot going on in this movie. Like I said, I'm not entirely sure it succeeds 100% with what it's trying to do. But I do think John Ford is attempting to make a movie that is kind of like reckoning with the racism inherent in Americans trying to settle the West and like essentially genocide a whole race of people.
1: I agree. And it's trying to
0: examine where that comes from.
1: And you said it perfectly right there. It is a fear of something and fear at its base thing is fear of the unknown. He doesn't know why he hates them. He's afraid of them because he doesn't understand them. And that's the worst part about it. Like, I think anything, I think, is also... And I think it is all the other things you said, wanting to be replaced as well. But it's also, like, fear of the unknown. Like, that's the only thing. Like, because they're different from him. And it's a terrible thing. And you're supposed to follow this character for, like, two hours. Yeah. And you, too. And you come to, like, understand...
0: And you come to realize, like, he is a person doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. And you're supposed to recognize that. And you're like, supposed to not like that about him and yourself. Like, you're supposed to kind of, like, reckon with these ideas. Like, why do you want to see someone like Ethan be successful? Like, what do you get out of that?
1: I think it's because they tether him to such a likable character. Yeah. Like, the the half, the half Native American boy who like the family who so what happens is this he comes to stay with them they say hey you're good to stay some other stuff happens the ranch gets raided by a war party of native americans comanche native americans and the comanches are there and they are they take everyone they're not sure if anyone was left alive but they think the two girls are alive that Mm. would be debbie and whatever her sister's name is Lucy. They take the two girls and it's Debbie and Lucy. Lucy's the older one. Debbie's the younger one. Lucy has a boyfriend. She's like probably I'd say like 16 if I had to guess. Yeah. And they I'll say this. uh, Lucy doesn't live long.
0: No. Lucy is. Yeah. Bad things happen.
1: Well, yeah. So what happens is they set off on a party of like I want to say like 10 men. Like, it seems like this is what the townspeople of that area, not even the townspeople, like the people who live in that area are like, yeah, we all go together and we try to find them if we can. It gets to a point where they're like, this is either a job for two men or a job for a whole bigger party than we are. We're actually kind of fucking ourselves here. John Wayne and this kid and a third guy named Brad, by the way, Brad also doesn't doesn't do so well. (laughs)
0: R.I.P. Brad. Uh, Brad really... He kind of had it coming, though. He kind of did it to himself. To be,
1: fa- to be fair, Brad looks like he was 40, and Lucy looks like she was 16. <laughs> like, that's so upsetting. At one point when they're kissing, I'm like, I'm like, that dude looks 40. You,
0: know, you got a real Errol Flynn feel about that guy.
1: Yeah, you really do. You know do. what I'm saying. Yeah. And you know, I thought about something this week, and I talked with someone about it. John Wayne should have never played Genghis Khan, but if there was a oh, movie that's... where someone needed to play like beef jerky he could have done it in this movie like if someone was just a beef jerky man he could do it in this movie
0: yeah no you're not wrong he he's leathery in this
1: he is and he only
0: gets leatherier
1: oh yeah for sure they take off the three of them and they they start kind of like searching on their own and the movie's called the searchers because this is this is a movie about john wayne and this young kid and this other guy brad looking for these two girls at one point, they break off, and they go separate ways. John Wayne takes the long way around. Can't, by the way, this is all shot outside, and it's fucking gorgeous looking. Shot like, in talk, Valley in Arizona. You could almost watch—I think you'd watch this movie on mute, actually, and you could follow it. Like, if you this tell someone the central premise, if you tell someone, like, hey, the guy next to John Wayne and John Wayne are the two guys you need to watch. They're looking for a girl. There's your movie. Like, put it on mute. It,
0: I mean, John Ford directed over, like, 50 silent films.
1: So, like, yeah. he's would- really good at directing, like, just images. It's great. He's really good at it. He uses his camera really well in this movie. hmm Like, this is one of the best, like, shot movies I've seen in, like, some time.
0: There's a, the, there's a moment in the shootout where it cuts from, like, an angle of John Wayne, like, holding the the rifle to, like, just just him, like, the side... And I'm like, that's the fucking punchiest edit I've ever seen. Like, that's incredible that he thought of that to have that in there and then like, like composed it and just everything about it is. I was just blown away. I was like, damn, like that, like simple little thing. I was just like, yeah. that's incredible.
1: So they take the lo- he takes the long way around. The other two take the short way around. They meet up there and one of them says, hey. Where's your, uh, where's your Johnny Rebel code? Because he has, like, a gray, like, duster on, like, they all do. And he goes, he goes, ah, I lost it back there. And they all sit down for dinner that night, and there's something happens where John Wayne says, I found, like, I found Lucy back, or I found Lucy back there, who's, like, the 16-year-old girl. And they go, they go, what? Why didn't you tell us? He goes, He goes, you're not going to ask me about it. He goes, what I saw back there, I'm not ever telling you about. And you have to assume something bad happened to Lucy. Like, I mean, Lucy's obviously dead. Yeah,
0: Lucy's uh, not. Yeah, no, she's, she's yeah uh, bad
1: things. We we can only assume that something worse than that happened. If I had to guess, see the thing is the beautiful thing about it is Ford puts the idea in your mind without ever forcing you to actually like see what it is.
0: Yeah, it makes it worse,
1: actually. Um, yeah, it does because it can be anything. <laughs> it could be anything at that point.
0: Yeah, because what your brain can come up with is a lot better than what a writer can come up with.
1: Yeah, and this sets Brad off, and Brad because they're sneaking up on the on the party brad takes off and is like i'm gonna kill them all and they're like no brad don't go like
0: i'm gonna get myself murdered
1: <laughs> yeah and you just hear gunshots off in the distance and you hear that and it's you a can zap- essentially gets switched cheese yeah he really does he does get mowed down and then it's up to it's up to ethan and his young companion martin and they they head back to the ranch near where the ranch got raided which is run by someone who knows Ethan's brother, who now, Ethan is now majority shareholder of that land because it was his brother's, it passes to him. And he has a daughter who is quite taken with Martin.
0: That's the Jurgensons, correct? Am I Yes, the
1: Jurgensons. Read the letter! He is so excited when the mail shows up. It's Two letters in one year!
0: So... The daughter is Lori Jorgensen, played by Vera Miles, who has a thing for Martin. Um, And they're gone so long that she basically is like, I'm going to get married. And marries the, tries to marry the mailman?
1: I mean, I think, I I think that's who that was. By the way, I was
0: very stoned when I watched this.
1: This (laughs) movie has a thing where, like, the whole, okay, here's what I love about this. This movie goes, okay, so this movie starts, you have the raid in the first 25 minutes. The next chunk of the movie is them just riding, searching for this girl. Mm -hmm. So it goes like, raid, small section with Brad. Brad gets killed. They're searching for a while. They go back to the farm. They keep going back and forth. She's also reading a letter the whole time, kind of narrating it as they go along throughout parts of it. And then all of a sudden, they just kind of stop looking for her. And you're like, well, fuck, what the hell? You guys are looking for And then you it, realize it's been five years.
0: It becomes sort of episodic after at like a certain point. Like they get yeah. to the Jorgensens, they leave again, and then it becomes like someone reading the letter and then we see a couple of things. And then you realize at a point like, oh like that large chunk was all in the letter. Like they were just relaying what happened. And then like they double back. It's structured in such a weird way, but it doesn't ever feel like it's lagging or dragging at any moment. It's just like so kind of freewheeling yeah. in a weird way. Yeah, it is. I think it's because it's based on a book. And so I'm assuming that like that that's kind of just how the book was set is just like kind of just like this freewheeling because it's very novelistic to do that, to have it like kind of start with like the first act and then like have like a 1.5 act and then have like a couple of episodes. And then it's just all of a sudden we're in act three. Like it just sort of happens. Like it just like hits you out of nowhere. Like, Oh, we're like at the end
1: now. <laughs> well, it's great. Cause they come back and she's getting married. And then by the way, Martin proceeds to fight this guy outside of the house. By the way, the funniest moment is where they walk out and he goes, he goes, how you want to do that? And like, and like they stop and he, and like, he goes, he goes, I got to take off my jacket. And he goes, oh, here, let me help you. And like helps the guy out of his jacket and then proceeds to Batista spear him into a bed. Like it's so funny when they fight each other.
0: Another thing this movie has that I think is really, I, I guess I didn't realize it is just, it has some really beautiful snow landscapes where you're like they're clearly like in nebraska or like oh yeah somewhere up like in wyoming or something oh it's fucking incredible the whole
1: movie's outside it's beautiful there are beautiful vistas like yeah this must have taken some time to do
0: i mean i think there's definitely moments where they're on a set i do have a jennifer jason lee shut in a locker like very small go on go on i'm
1: glad we have two
0: there's a moment i think at the very beginning where they walk into the house and it's kind of clear at the house at the beginning is like a set, and someone yells, and I can hear the echo of like the yell, like in the soundstage. Oh. And I was like, "You couldn't have just ADR that? You couldn't have just you couldn't have just like yeah. redone it? Like, like you could just it's hear that, them like old speaking creature. into it's the echoes. The and old I was creature
1: like, "Who's like who's so loud? You're just like ah and yeah you're just like, oh."
0: And so it so echoes loud. in the fucking soundstage. I'm like, "Can you not fix this?
1: Come on, John Ford, seriously." So that is, the,
0: that is like the minorest grave of all time. But I was just like, I was just like, come on, immersion so, broken.
1: Yeah, exactly. So they kind of come back and they're like, OK, we're just going to let it go. Like she's gone, probably. And if she's not dead, she's she's one of them now. John Wayne is also like highly convinced. Like if this girl like if we find this girl, we got to we got to kill her like like she's she's half them now, like. she is a lost cause. And you weirdly see like a version of this in like a nuthouse with these women who were like were attacked by Native Americans.
0: Yeah, I think that is not great. Definitely not a thing I would have kept in the movie if I had my way about it. I understand it, but like... uh... (laughs) Yeah. It's just not good. I don't know. It made me feel bad. And not in the way that like... Not in the way that movie's can make me feel bad where I'm like, oh man, that was sad. It was just like, oh, this is kind of racist. <laughs> you're like,
1: like this It's, it's a movie you know a- what it is? You know what it is? It's a racism, like the character of Moes. You could do the character of Moes in a movie today, in this movie today, but you would do it in a different way. Whereas it's like it's just unfortunate that at the time that was kind of acceptable version of that. Whereas with this other element you're talking about, that was bad back then and nobody decided yeah. to nobody decided to do it.
0: Yeah, it's what's interesting about this movie is I think it wants to address racism and it wants to kind of be like anti-racist. But there are certainly, especially with John Ford movies, a lot of really weird and racist depictions of Native American people throughout his films. That's just Ford. It's it's rough. It's one of the things, it's, it's kind of like if you want to study movies you're just gonna run into people like john ford where you're just like wow he killed a lot of fake native americans like jesus christ and it just sort of seeps out in weird ways and i think that scene is one of them it's not great it doesn't feel real like it doesn't feel like a real life thing and it's kind of doesn't need to uh, be
1: there there's that Was movie it called real? the Homesman. Remember that movie, The Homesman, where like old boys don't cry and the and U.S. Marshals take those women back, like to that like isn't that Tommy Lee? Tommy Lee Jones, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones and Hilary Swank. Yeah, and Hilary Swank. Uh, Maybe I could. By the the way, Hilary Swank fucks Tommy Lee Jones in that movie. Like that is a thing. And Tommy
0: Lee Jones wrote and directed that movie, so maybe he didn't write it, but he definitely directed it.
1: I did. Yeah, he definitely directed it. So Tommy Lee Jones likes, likes a sturdy lady.
0: I don't like this conversation.
1: I don't either. I, I hate it all. I better. guess
0: maybe maybe it is maybe it is true. I don't know. It just it feels there's something about that where like I feel like I could have a long conversation with someone of just about that scene and be like, why? <laughs> like I feel like it's a way to explain Ethan's hatred more, but I think it's also maybe maybe it's more of a way to like ex- to further Ethan's like murderous rage towards people like white women who have been with native Americans, which is something that kind of gets fleshed out later. And maybe that's a way of explaining it of like kind of putting that like in your head before, like they eventually talk about it in like 10 minutes. Yeah. But like I said, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it really needs to be there.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Make a good point. Well, maybe it does. I don't know. Who knows? So, They get back complex. It is. It is weirdly complex with how simple of a premise is. So they get back, the guys get in a fight, they say, okay, you two are gonna make up. And they all of a sudden, like, they bring in Moe's, who like just keeps popping up. He's like the puck of this universe. He just keeps talking about Yeah, like every time he pops up, I'm like, ah boy. But the (laughs) thing is, you can't end this movie without him. No. Not gonna tell you. I'll tell Marty though.
0: Moe's is the comedic relief and not entirely sure if the movie needs
1: this type of a comedic relief, but hey, it's the 50s, I guess. I, I don't know either. It's, it's hard to say. So they get told by Moe's, I found her. I get my reward, a rocking chair. And you're just like, Boy, this guy really wants a chair. Like, can someone give him a chair? There's at least two in that house. And they go and find her, and it's weird. Like it becomes a game of like, okay, we gotta get her back alive. I'm gonna like Marty says, I'm gonna go down and get her. You all stay here and charge in once I've got her, and we'll just take care of the rest of them. Which is like, wow, that's really fucked up. Couldn't you just maybe like grab them and like uh, get out of there? Scar will never mm. be the wiser. The,
0: the movie makes a point to say that like Ethan wants to murder Debbie.
1: His little bow, Marty's little vixen is like, hey. Don't let Ethan get near her. He's going to try to kill her. Like, even she says it like, look, dude, he's a lot of things. He's protected us a lot. But that dude wants to fucking kill Debbie. He does not believe there's anything left of Debbie in there, which is fucking crazy that you're like, I just nuts. Followed, yeah, I've just followed this guy for two fucking hours. Like, seriously?
0: The point is, is I think the idea is that Ethan thinks she is contaminated and should be murdered because, like, she is no longer white. <laughs> mm-hmm. which is like the most fucked up explanation to do oh, something yeah. like that. Like, oh yeah.
1: It's, it's straight racism is what it is. Yeah. Like, no, that's it's like, because like, like straight, you, because straight you... from the tap. Racism. Yeah. Like that's like, that's unfettered. <laughs> that's, uh,
0: <clears throat> that's some fucking, that's uh, some fucking breaking bad racism right there.
1: Hi, that breaking bad racism,
0: 96% racism. <laughs> oh,
1: gotcha. That was good. That was good. That was a deep one. Um, good one, yeah. Hi there. Hi there. I'm Michael Richards, and I'm, when I'm not playing Kramer or saying the N-word on stage, I like to have my racism straight from the tap. Milwaukee's <laughs> racist.
0: Just freebasing some racism here. Yeah, you're yeah. just
1: like, you're just like, you're like. He's the only person they could have called to do this commercial. It makes so much sense. <laughs> then you just play the Seinfeld music and <laughs> it's like, holy shit! <laughs> like, is Seinfeld racist? <laughs> Jerry
0: Seinfeld is currently on the phone to. All of his lawyers.
1: <laughs> Someone stop Michael! Take the shot! Take the shot! Mike, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry has a cell phone number where a guy is constantly following Michael Richards to take the shot. Like after the whole saying the bat saying man word on stage, like Jerry's just like, no, nah, it can't happen again. <laughs> Jerry gets the call. He goes, yeah, and he goes, oh, he took him out. He, oh man, he made a commercial for racism straight from the tap. Oh, yeah, no, it was a good thing you did. No, I'd burn the whole building if I were you. Yeah, oh, an extra two. No, no, Oh, an extra twenty million? Oh, you know what, dude? I'm gonna give you thirty. You did a good job. Good job for you. You called this one. Yeah.
0: Are you took him out. Oh, he did what? Uh, can you um, can you bring him back to life so I
1: can take him out? Yeah, thank you. Oh, you can. Oh, oh, you specialized as a witch doctor. You know, I just let my witch doctor go. Like I just <laughs> this is like the conversation. like you know, I'm the in the super, to
0: look for a new witch. The doctor.
1: super rich <laughs> have witch doctors. You're just like, what the fuck? Oh. Uh, None of that actually was a correct impression. It's like, oh, you have a witch doctor. Like, that's, that's the voice he deserves, because, you know, fuck Seinfeld, too, while we're at it.
0: Got a real Errol Flynn thing about him, Gary
1: Seinfeld. <laughs> I think you've named the episode. <laughs> oh, Several people have a real Errol Flynn thing about them this week. <laughs> that's my new euphemism for people who like to have sex with people under the age of 18. <laughs> Got a real Errol Flynn thing about him. I like that. I think we should start making that a thing. They find the girl and John Wayne does not kill her, I guess, because Natalie Wood is like, please don't kill me. Oh, by the way, Natalie Wood is so good in like every movie I've seen her in. And it's a shame she's not in more. I disagree. I think she's <laughs> really good in this. I think she's good in this.
0: I think this is one of her better performances. I've seen her in, I think there's other movies where I'm like, anybody could have been better than Natalie Wood, right? <laughs> like a bundle of sticks could have definitely done the job that Natalie what Wood movie? did Give me, movie. Give me
1: a, give me a movie.
0: Like she's not great in Splendor in the Grass or in she's ooh, in ooh, West be Side Story. Be careful!
1: Be careful! That's like my that's like my one of my wife's favorite movies.
0: Oh Jesus!
1: <laughs> oh, she loves Splendor in the Grass, dude. I've still never seen it, but she's like, we gotta watch it. I'm like, I'm like, one of these days we'll sit down and watch. It. I said, I just am not in the mood.
0: Maybe I'm wrong. No, 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 you're no, can't
1: be wrong. It's an opinion. We discussed this well, a long time ago. Yeah, but also, opinions change. You know, I don't that's know. True. I could be wrong. That's true. That's I think she's pretty
0: good in this, but she's also, you know, she's she in, say a in lot. Native
1: American garb. I will say my wife walked in and she went, why is Natalie Wood dressed as a Native American? Like her eyes went <laughs> super wide. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. She was taken by the Native Americans. They're making her dress like that. And she goes, oh, okay, good. And then like went back into the other room. <laughs> but it was great because like, she was like, why is Natalie Wood in Like she was like, uh-oh, I'm not canceling Natalie Wood, am I? I'm like, no, 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 you're fine. Scar made her do that. He's Italian. And she goes, Italian? Like, is he part of the Native Americans? I'm like, no, he's a Native American. That's him right there. And she goes, oh my god, that man is not Native American. By the way, that's the last horrible thing. Scar is not Native American. And also, that guy doesn't get enough to do. Scar should be a bigger character in this movie.
0: I think the thing is, is once he talks, you would have realized that he isn't Native American. So you just been like, oof. Well, that
1: forced me to put the line in there. Who teach you to speak Comanche? You speak good. I think we're pretty much near the end. They bring her back. And we get one of the most famous shots in all of Westerns.
0: Well, we have to mention that the opening shot is the mother of the family that Ethan is staying with. He's their uncle. I want to say he's like the husband's brother.
1: Yeah, he's the husband's
0: brother. So it's like the mom of that family walking, opening the door, and the camera slowly like caresses and then it opens up into Monument Valley and you kind of see Ethan coming in. And so the final shot is they take Debbie, they get her back to the Jurgensen place, I believe, right? That's what
1: happens. I believe you are correct.
0: Everyone goes in to treat her. and Ethan's standing there with his one arm on his other arm, and he's kind of like doing like the nervous, like sh- like rub your elbow type thing. As he sort of stands there, the film slowly starts to fade out and the door closes on him, essentially. Essentially leaving this racist, angry, violent man to be left in the past. It's it's a beautiful ending. It's it's like the perfect way
1: to end a movie. <laughs> Do you know who the woman who plays Mrs. Jurgensen is in real life? No. Is she famous for another role? She's not famous for another role. Google her for me real quick. My phone's at 1%. It's about to die. Olive Um, Carey? I believe so. Look up Olive Carey and look up who her father was.
0: Her spouse is Harry Carey. Her father is... Young Debbie was played by Lana Wood.
2: Yeah, you didn't know that?
0: I I just now figured it out. You mean Martha Edwards? Maybe. I'm just literally going to look up like, every female on the cast. And
1: yeah, well, there's not a lot of them.
0: <laughs> Sadly. Don't think it's her. Nope. Okay.
1: Point being is, that pose at the end, and I'll figure it out at some point who it is. Maybe we can make that the spoiler, too. That pose at the end that he does with his arm, that is a very famous nod to another Old West cowboy. And whoever one of the women on the set was his daughter and they didn't tell her they were going to do that
0: oh that's cute yeah
1: yeah well I mean John Wayne wasn't always a monster I guess
0: oh. not always I mean no. he, had so-
1: he had his sober days
0: yeah also a serious. draft
1: dodger as well yeah well <laughs> and I guess that leaves to ask the question of what would you pair this with it's a good question
0: that is uh, a rough question my initial thought is the wrong one, which was a good bad which was just a good band the ugly, but I think for a few dollars more is what I'll pair it with.
1: Oh, you are pairing it with my favorite one in that trilogy.
0: Weird favorite one. Most people don't know. No, like that one. I think
1: for a few dollars more <laughs> is the most like raw version of what he's trying to do in those three movies.
0: I think Leon of all It's the also people, like the one that the... has
1: weirdly like the least amount of stakes involved in it too.
0: I think if I could get away with pairing another short movie with a very long movie, I think Once Upon a Time in the Old West is like a better movie to pair it with because it kind true. of is, is is sort of playing with similar themes of like breaking down the western. But that movie's so f- that movie's like fucking four hours. That movie's like three oh, hours long. I wouldn't want to do that, people.
1: Your five-hour movie begins now.
0: But yeah, I think if you uh, for a few dollars more is sort of a similar like very messy emotionally, kind of trying to reinvent the western i what i think is so funny is i think a lot of italian filmmakers saw john wayne in the confederate garb and were just like right so all of our protagonists should be confederates and like did not understand the civil, yeah, what, American ford, civil war like
1: at all yeah what ford was trying to say he's like no no he's the bad guy yeah bad italians guy.
0: did not understand the civil war <laughs> no they it did showed. not
1: <laughs> yeah, the people should have worked for us. Hey baby boo. and you're like, no 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 no. First of all, I don't uh, think you're so, Italian. That sounds like a pretty stereotypical voice and you're like, What are you talking about? So what would you give it?
0: I I think to be so stereotypical and give us I think four and a half out of yeah. five, probably five the next time I watch it. It's great, but I know it has problems. I can it's it's weird how heavily I slammed down with the wind, but I feel like this movie is trying to address the problems that it has.
1: I weirdly see it more as like, this is a Western, like, I'm giving it a four out of five. Like, this is a four out of five. Like, this is better than Robin Hood, but this has so many things that are kind of wrong with it by today's standards. It's like, eh, you kind of have to kind of look at that sort of thing, like, and kind of look at it from that. I'm looking at more movies like that with a wider response, with a wider eye.
0: I tried to do that with Gone with the Wind. It was just a movie that was testing my fucking patience. (laughs) Not to bring up Gone with the Wind. Again. Well,
1: it is significantly longer. I think it's another hour and 14 minutes more than this. This at least has cowboys go shoot-shoot. It's like
0: like, it's, like two, it's like two searchers. It's like if you watch Searchers Month... Oh, it's first, almost four all, hours. That's right. Through. I'm
1: thinking of something else.
0: And then yeah, you you're right. It's almost do two do more.
1: It's, a, it's almost another Searchers.
0: And then you just ran the film back at speed.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, four, and you give it four and a half. That's fair. That's pretty close. Well... Tyler Tyler can you give me a minute with minute with the audience? Yeah. He guys he really wants to do 1939 again. And I know, I know it takes a lot out of us when we time travel, but we have to do it because Tyler's picked a couple of really good movies from 1939. Okay, they're back, Tyler. Tyler, I have tasked you next week with doing 1939 movies because we know you want to stay in that era just like we did with 1999. Because you loved so much being around Gone with the Wind and The Wizard of Oz. You're going to pick two movies of equal quality, I have to imagine.
0: I'm definitely going to pick two movies that I think are really good. <laughs> uh.
1: Piece of shit! <laughs> <laughs> um, I give it my whole Saturday and you kick me in the teeth. It's been a long
0: Saturday. I'm kind of punchy. <laughs> a very long
1: Saturday. <laughs> I've been listening to hip-hop yeah. in my pool all day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So first off, the adventure film, I wanted to do another adventure film from Howard Hawks starring Cary Grant. Only Angels Have Wings. And then we're going to be going across the pond to France as they deal with the oncoming Second World War and the bourgeoisie ignoring the rise of the Nazis in one of their neighboring countries So we take a look at Jean Renoir's tyrical masterpiece, The Rules of the Game.
1: Holy shit. I'm gonna have to rewatch Rules of the Game. Yeah. Oh my god, I haven't seen that in years. Maybe I can finally get Nathan to come down and watch it. We'll put it on the projector. <laughs> it.
0: Yeah, maybe. You know, maybe time will treat that movie a little bit better for you. I don't know no, if, no, you I liked it, it when
1: I saw it. It's just Nathan owns a copy of Rules of the Game. He owns the Criterion two disc edition. It's gorgeous, and he's mm-hmm. never watched it. Like, he just, he's like, I'll get around to it. And I'm like, I'm like, when? I watched this like 12 years ago. He goes, I'll get around to it. He you, goes, I got it. You should,
0: yeah, you should text him and be like, yeah, yeah, we're doing the Rules of the Game for the podcast. We usually watch it together.
1: Next week, Only Angels Have Wings, a movie I've never heard of up till this moment by Howard Hawks, a guy who I have a very big blind spot for, and a movie I saw many years ago, The Rules of the Game by Jean Renoir. Is that right? Yes. We will see you guys next week, but if you guys want more crazy TWGTF action, you can follow us on Twitter at TWGTFpod. We post every episode there. You can find any of them. Keep checking back, guys. I mean, shoot, by the time you heard this, you'll have heard our Nashville episode. I bet it was amazing. Yeah, I can't wait to watch that three-hour movie, Ben. Yeah, me too. Well, no, we did watch it. We did, and we had a lot of talk.
0: It it was, man, that one guy and... Th- you know that guy? No, no,
1: no, don't, no, don't do that. I've never seen the movie. I can't, I can't play this. I can't. I've
0: never this. seen it either. I was, I was, I was. Oh, you've never seen it
1: either? No. Oh my god! What if it sucks?
0: <laughs> yeah. What if it's bad? I'm bending against the house on Nashville. I like the other Robin movies I've watched. I've heard Nashville is his best, so I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna like
1: it. You, you seen Popeye? You seen Popeye?
0: No, but I've seen. Fuck! I've I'm playing bl- all the movies. I'm thinking of.
1: I've seen Cookie's I've seen, Fortune. I've seen Yeah, he I mean he's pretty solid. Like he's good. I, he's I really tried good. to watch it once shortcuts, and it wasn't I wasn't it's great. Oh, shortcuts is amazing. Ooh.
0: Shortcuts is so good.
1: Shortcuts might be one of the best movies of that decade.
0: Player. He made Ooh, in the nineties he made the player too. and shortcuts like back to back.
1: Wow. Man, you couldn't stop Altman.
0: Altman's oh, good. Altman oh, is good at making movies.
1: Ah, try or and one. stop me, Altman!
0: We need to get out of here before we're we
1: do. we do. But, guys, you can of course follow me at ET Critic for the Empty Theater Critic. You can also follow me now at Dance is Forboden, which is a daily update where I watch an episode of Teen and post a review about it. And, Tyler, is there anything you want to plug? Mm, and you should watch Only Angels Have Wings. It's good. The, the one we're doing next week? Yeah. (laughs) So you're just plugging the movie for next week? (laughs) Yeah, it's got 100% of Rotten Tomatoes. Fair enough, fair enough. Look, I'm not fighting with you on it. I just thought it was interesting you plugged something. I was kind of shocked, actually. It was like when the dog stands up on her hind legs for the first time, you're like, what the fuck is that? Like, Jesus.
0: Uh, Ladies ladies and gentlemen, we've been recording for, or trying to record for like three hours, so I'm a little punch drunk.
1: (laughs) Oh, same here. And for TWGTF, guys, Two White Guys Talking Film, I'm, of course, your host, Ben. And
0: I am Monument Valley.
1: And remember, guys, if you're going to come into our store and you look to your left immediately as you enter, there is a rocking chair. And I'm not going to say that if you touch that rocking chair that a man in a very silly hat is going to come and just beat the tar out of you, but that's Moses' rocking chair. That'll be the day. Just Two
2: White Guys Talking Film.
1: Flynn still gives me one of my favorite laughs in a movie of all time go for it the moment in wonder boys where alan tudyk is driving michael douglas home and he says to him zero flynn he was into doing a lot of things with his dick right and like michael douglas character goes jesus trappers how am i supposed to know and he goes you're reading his biography and like michael douglas has someone else's book bag at the time and he goes oh yeah he loved all sorts of things on his dick he goes like ground lamb and like it's just like like alan tonic's character started, he goes sick it's one of my favorite lines he goes oh yeah he loved all sorts of things on his dick like michael douglas just bullshits this guy into believing it <laughs> if you've never um, seen book of boys by the way it's fucking <laughs> incredible
0: i have not and that's based off of a book and i got an ad for it the other day oh, there um you go.